Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where it's spooky. I think I did that last year, actually. Oh man, we might have something else. Like, Welcome to the spookier. Geek to Geek podcast, where a black cat may cross your path in audio form. Man, I should have prepared a better intro. There we go. Yes, Foley work. Okay, sorry. We're talking about <laughs> Halloween today. We are. Um, and mostly, this is a topic that I wanted to hit because I don't have a lot to add here, but like you geek out over Halloween. So I thought we should actually do an episode about it, right? I do. I love Halloween so much. And it's it's weird that it's only the last probably 10 years where I've really geeked out about it. But it was something that I've loved my entire life, that there was it was always probably my favorite time of year. And I just never really thought that much about it as being a holiday that you can do that kind of stuff for. Like, if that makes sense, like you do stuff for Halloween, like you will go and do stuff for Christmas and lately that's what how we treat halloween that's interesting yeah no i mean what do i have to add here uh reese's peanut butter cups are the best candy and they are it's fun to take my kids trick-or-treating okay that's yeah but there's so much more than that though i don't have time for the rest of it i don't have time that's true yeah now now, i i totally do understand that do you guys do any kind of like family pumpkin carving or decorating or anything like that yeah a little bit of that we usually carve pumpkins or go to a pumpkin patch or both and that's yeah that's kind of the extent of the whole season i mean it's always busy especially with kids in school now it's even busier than it used to be so but you do a lot like you send me pictures you sent me a picture of like skeletons hanging out on your couch the other day we don't like normal halloween like a lot of people like when you think about halloween for so many people it's the scary gory horror movie kind of stuff where you it's super creepy it's dark there's spider webs everywhere that's not so much our halloween our halloween is dumb we like dumb Halloween and goofy Halloween and the silly stuff that uh, that is not scary, where it's uh, almost the Scooby-Doo-ish kind of Halloween spooky stuff, where it's over the top, and we just call it dumb. Like, we love the dumb stuff. And uh, like when we're out in public, we'll see something that's like, oh, that's real dumb, and that means we're going to buy it. And... So Jennifer loves skeletons, and over the last few years, she has really gotten to where she likes decorating with uh, for Halloween with skulls and skeletons. And I want to say it was four years ago that she finally splurged and bought two of the uh, life-size skeletons at Target, where they're five feet tall. And we named them Jennifer and Bone Jay and because they're us and every year we do some sort of of scene with them like we'll set them up the first year we had them we would we put our running clothes on them and uh i can't remember we always name them too and i can't remember what that one was it was uh, like run like run for your life or something like that run for your death something along those lines where we had we dressed them up in running clothes and then last year i know we had them uh outside because well 
we also play a game called Skeleton Charades with them, where we make people act out what they're doing, but making the skeletons do it instead of them. But because they're not fully articulated, one of my friends broke one of the skeletons' arms off. And so I, I think it was Jennifer that he broke the arm off of. And that uh, since she didn't have her arm, the set that we put up, the scene that we put up last year, was we stuck the arm in the ground and like it was a ring toss and they were playing ring toss around her arm uh that they were standing up in the front yard uh this year we're doing a david s pumpkins one where we have the skeletons wearing skeleton outfits and jennifer is building a tombstone that just says david s pumpkins any questions and uh one year we dress them up like superman and lois lane because we have a typewriter on an old typewriter desk like we we like that kind of goofy Halloween that uh, that's why we I sent you pictures of them I sent you pictures of Jennifer and Bone Jay right now just kind of chilling on the couch uh, waiting we're chilling on our one of our love seats in our den uh, just waiting on waiting on Halloween cool that's I mean I'm glad that you do that but I know you do more <laughs> than that too right oh yeah absolutely and I mean a lot of this goes back to where Jennifer and I got married on Halloween and so we collected a lot of decoration because when you're getting married on Halloween you have to decorate like you're getting married on Halloween and luckily we didn't go I mean we didn't have a huge fancy wedding one of the great things about being in the south is that our weddings around here don't tend to be the absurdly extravagant ones that will spend a few thousand dollars on stuff but a lot of times it's not expected for somebody to have a super posh you know 10 to 15 20 thousand dollar wedding uh like it's just that's absurd here like for almost everybody so we were able to get away with going to craft stores and buying halloween decorations and harvest decorations with pumpkins and stuff like this so we were able to collect a lot of de- uh, like indoor decorations that way so we we started putting that stuff out and just kind of collecting it i mean we love like i said we love dumb stuff so we have a skeleton that hangs on our wall his name is dr Glitterbones. i'm assuming you can figure out why his name is dr Glitterbones. uh we say he's fancy because he has a top hat and he's made out of glitter uh like we love this kind of stuff and I love we love Dr. Glitterbones. We actually keep him up all year long just because he's fancy and he's our friend. Um just stuff like that. We absolutely just love that goofy Halloween weirdness type stuff. So we always go all out on the front yard now that we have a uh a house uh with a with a yard we can uh, decorate and last year we had a we had a kind of a tray a haunted trail that led up to our house where the trick or treaters would come through and Jennifer would lead them through these little stations she had that would scare them and uh, it was that was super fun things that would shake and jump out like Jennifer will buy, start has started buying the animated and animatronic uh stuff that she will she can interact with people with um so, so you we guys do enjoy lot- scaring children we love scaring children one of the best times we've ever had like we love scaring kids like it is it is great and we never do it maliciously it's not something where we we like try to 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 frighten them we don't uh we don't try to to traumatize these kids but we love scaring them and 
the first year, we always have a Halloween party as well. And it's kind of an excuse to have an anniversary party for us and get with our, get together with our friends. Halloween has kind of become our thing. So we, we got this house. We have our Halloween party. First year we've been here, we may have moved in maybe two weeks, where might have been three, where we had been in the house. And so it's our first time really getting trick-or-treaters because the places that we lived before didn't get a lot of them. And so we had the decorations up outside to let everybody know that it's okay and we uh like this little girl knocks on the door and jennifer has collect has bought at this point a six foot tall animatronic witch that she has been answering the door with she will stand behind the door and hold this witch to answer the door because it'll say things like hello my pretty and just all sorts of uh weird things like that and uh it's like eyes will light up and flash and uh make these like noises too and it's great absolutely love it and she opened the door for this kid and the witch went off and opened the door and this kid just bolted screaming down our front yard just all the way back to her car and Jennifer's laughing. This this little girl's dad is dying laughing. Like it's something where normally you would feel bad about this, but he was like, "That's one of the best things I've ever seen. Thank you for that." And it's just like it was because it was funny because she just didn't expect. Nobody expects a witch to actually open the door, and so we try to be those uh, those Halloween people. Like we're not the crazies who spend all of our money on it, but we we try to make it fun for people as opposed to just being a couple of people handing them a piece of handing them a piece of candy like some of my best memories as a kid like going trick-or-treating were when i actually got scared at somebody's house that i went and trick-or-treated at my uncle's house i remember one time and he uh he was like oh my neighbor's giving away candy so i went over there and they were holding somebody like they had hidden somebody under a pile of leaves in their front yard that as you walked up uh they would uh, jump out of this like just giant pile of leaves and scare the kids and that's one of my favorite things because i was so scared like i was scared to death of this thing and now looking back you know 30 years later i'm like that is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me and so i just i just love this time of year and being able to do stuff like that because i really hope that that little girl grows up and in 30 years that she will remember being scared of that witch when she went trick-or-treating because I'll never forget being scared of that pile of leaves and that zombie. Okay, and you said that you guys do, like, pumpkin carving, too. Like, your wife is pretty handy, right? Jennifer's really good at this. I am terrible with my hands. That it's, it's if you try to get me to carve a pumpkin or draw a picture or make something that's not on a computer, it's going to turn out like a Pinterest nailed it. And it, do you know you know what that is, right? No. Oh, oh No, wait, boy. yeah, I do. I do. Where, From context clues, I just figured it out a second ago. Yes, I got yeah, it. Where, where, where there's there's a website. If you guys just Google, it. if you've never heard of this, Google Pinterest nailed it. And my, they're they're fantastic. A lot of them have to be staged, but it's when there's something beautiful that's on Pinterest. You're like, oh yeah, that would make my life better. That's really pretty. I can do that. And then you make this horrible, grotesque, uh, just awful 
attempt at it that looks like you just kind of smashed things together and didn't know what you were doing. That's me. Like that is that's the difference in me and Jennifer making things. And she is brilliant at pumpkin carving. She used to have pumpkin carving parties with all of her friends to teach them how to carve pumpkins. And she's had uh, the libraries make gotten her to make them. Like she's always made them for uh, like the English department when she graduated. They got her to make one so that they could set out. And she used to do them on funkins. The, the fake pumpkins but uh, she's stopped doing that so much because she says it's more fun to carve on real ones so she's done that and we go to the pumpkin patch every year usually and pick up a few pumpkins we usually spend about $30 on uh, different sizes of pumpkins for her to carve and uh, she's practicing on sculpting now that uh, she's wanting to be one of those kind of pumpkin sculptors where they do the 3D faces and all the stuff around it to make it into things. And so she's learning how to do that. And like that long-term goal of being on Halloween Wars is uh, is something like that, that'll never happen. I mean, to get don't get me wrong, like like she's not that like professional grade, but she's she wins every pumpkin carving contest she's entered and it's been a wonderful way for us to get some uh some free meals at uh, with different contests for the gift cards they give away <laughs> okay that's cool um so all of that led you to get married on halloween i know you wanted to tell one specific anecdote from that it did I don't know how it is in Minnesota and other parts of the country, but there's a stereotype about the South where I like the way you, you know, said that as if like Minnesota is like the important part. And then the rest of it is an afterthought. That was a nice touch. It, it, it's true. It's the after. But it actually was because I thought about talking about just there. I'm like, no, nah, maybe everywhere other than the South. Um, people around here can be a little crazy religious. Um, you may have gathered that. Um, and people aren't necessarily the most understanding about Halloween because of that. And we have a lot of people who look at Halloween as being a really, really negative thing around here. So we've had, we had every, every reaction under the sun that you could get um, from, we've had people ask Jennifer, you know, we had her, people asking like are you gonna wear a witch's outfit she's like no i'm wearing a wedding dress because it's my wedding well is it gonna be a black wedding dress nope it's a wedding dress because it's my wedding but are you not gonna even wear a witch's hat nope wearing a wedding dress because it's my wedding. That like, sounds people, very frustrating. Like, people could not, like, get this through their heads. Like, we had talked initially about doing the really goofy, like, dress up and have a costume wedding. Like, that got put out really quickly. Like, that got thrown out very quickly because we wanted a wedding. I mean, it was like, we had a really nice wedding. I'm really, I don't remember a lot about it. The day was a blur for me, but I, it was a nice wedding. We had to decorate. Everything was super cool. And then the reception, we had kids dressing up. Like, like if anybody wants to dress up for the reception, that's great. Uh, but, you know, we're going to have a wedding ceremony. <laughs> and people could not get it. That people just did not get that, uh, that it was an actual wedding, that it just happened to be on Halloween. People were losing their minds. They, they, they were asking all sorts of stuff like if 
we were going to have uh, somebody, and I don't remember who it was, asked us if we were going to have a witch uh, marry us. And we're like, no, we had a pastor do it, uh, or, uh, or I had a reverend do it, rather. And it's just like, that's why is it so hard for people in this area to understand you can get married on Halloween and it not be something like super weird i don't know i think it's just it like, might be a uniquely bible belt problem that you're running into it, there it really might be and i'm thinking that might be uh, uh the case we have people who won't even partake in fall activities if they're halloween themed in a lot of places and they're very vocal about it and yeah they're the minority don't get me wrong that is very much the minority but it's uh people who are vocal about it. it's just it made us stand out for the people who knew it. And uh, now Halloween's kind of just become our thing. And we just love that stuff. Yeah, I mean, there are always going to be like some very religious people in some parts of the country that well, anywhere, anywhere, you know, yeah. there are pockets of them. But I think that you're probably running into more than normal because of where you live. Oh, and I'm sure of it. I mean, that that I think that honestly probably goes without saying just because you yeah, had the middle of the Bible belt like this. It's it's absolutely true. Oh, no, I laughed the other day because just talking about the Bible belt, there's a, uh, a stereotype of having a church on every corner. And uh, I was just driving down the road and I counted and we literally had for four blocks blocks there were uh five churches yeah, uh, sounds on the about corners right. um yeah. so halloween you said you have some aspirations yeah. right like we want to be able to travel and do like ridiculous halloween stuff like i'd mentioned jennifer wants to be on halloween wars that if she ever gets good enough i mean it takes so much work to be able to get that professional grade like these people are professional artists doing this and she's a hobbyist that uh but she's trying. She's practicing. She's putting in the work and doing it. One of her her best friends got her a pumpkin, a fancy pumpkin carving set as her Christmas gift a couple of years ago. Where they're not these like pumpkin masters things that you'll buy at the store, the plastic ones. These have like wooden turned handles with metal edges, like metal tools, so that she can do it all professional, like with chisels and tools. Like it's really cool. And uh, she's used some of her woodworking uh, chisels for pumpkins as well. Um, at some point, she's actually used power tools on them. You can use Dremels a lot is great for uh, for pumpkin carving as well. I didn't realize that with the shading and stuff that you can get, you can use a Dremel and a small sander to do a lot with it. So you can come pumpkin carve with power tools. Um, and if they're big enough, you use chainsaws. And then one thing that we really want to do, like we're so, we were so sad that when we went to Oregon a couple of years ago, we were really sad that we went to Oregon during the summer because that was the time that we had off. But we wanted uh, to go because there's a pumpkin regatta and there where they take these gigantic pumpkins, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds, and they hollow them out and make canoes out of them and you ride through like you can ride in the middle of a giant floating pumpkin down the river and i want to do it so bad like we we really need to travel out to oregon again to uh get in the giant pumpkin regatta i want that to so is much pretty sweet that that, that would, that be, would fun. be so awesome and i mean one of, i went this year i think i may have sent you a picture or a text or something that i was going to one of the local festivals the first fridays that we have around here because they were dropping like a 400 pound uh, pumpkin from the top of a uh, crane and it's oh, yeah, you did tell me about that. so good like it went it went everywhere it was the bet they finally learned how to make this thing explode and the weird part about this and the reason i wanted to say it is that you know how when like you go on a per, to a parade and 
and kids will like get candy and like scramble along the ground if candy drops. When uh, yeah, does that? They did this for the innards of pumpkin, and okay. I think it was purely training from parades that when something scatters along the ground that you scatter for it that you just go for it and skitter at it and it's like i saw these parents their kids bringing just pumpkin guts and raw pumpkin back to them and these pieces of of pumpkin hull whatever it's called and they were uh like why would you pick that up it's just it's just pumpkin but it was just super funny to me where jennifer and i were just laughing the whole time i love just just stuff like that this people just tend to have such a good time this time of year and i think that's part of it just just the joy and happiness that just being this silly can make that 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 it can bring people i just it makes me so happy Good. Well, thank you for sharing your love of Halloween and the season. Um, I'm just going to encourage everyone, eat more Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. That's the most the important part of Halloween. Not Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. The Reese's Peanut Butter no, Pumpkins. No, Reese's Peanut Butter everything. Like, let's be clear here. There's, it doesn't, I mean, at the end of the day, it does matter. But at the same time, it doesn't matter. As long as you're eating, like, Reese's Peanut Butter in some form or another paired with chocolate, you're, like, you're on my good list. We're okay. That's true. Um, I mean, that's yeah, true. But the yeah. pumpkins are better. Uh, it depends seasonality. That's a bigger discussion. Okay, let's get into <laughs> the geeky offer of the week. Um, you can go to audibletrial.com/slash/geek-to-geekcast and get a free book on us on for free to help the podcast and help you. It everybody wins. That's the important part. Um, my recommendation this week is from a certain point of view. Which do you know what this one is? I heard of it, and it's, when I saw it, I, I I don't know what it is, but I've heard of it. Um, so it's a new Star Wars book, but it's really, it's different. It's interesting. It's a bunch of authors that wrote a series of short stories. And so far, I can't, I mean, I haven't finished it yet, but where I am in the book, so far, it's a retelling of Star Wars Episode Four. So it's a new hope, but from uh, okay. all of these side characters. It's really, okay. really interesting. Um, so it starts off with basically like right after Rogue One. And it's like the captain of the Tantiv Four. Like he's the first short story, right? And it, it you get to see like what's going on with them, how they end up near Tatooine, and like Darth Vader coming onto the ship from his point of view. And then it jumps to the next short story, which is like a stormtrooper that's part of that raiding party. Um, cool. And then it jumps to a new short story where it's this like data analyst person who's like you know an administrator, but they're really good at paperwork. And a stormtrooper comes to her, and they're like. I let this escape pod go and I'm kind of regretting it because I didn't want to have to explain why I was shooting at something that didn't have life forms in it. How do I get out of this? So it's like the people who let the droids go, you know, and didn't take a shot at them. And so it's a whole short story about like all of these pieces of paperwork that you can file to like cover (laughs) your tracks, which was that one was my favorites so far. But it's like that, like it progresses on, right? There's like a short story about Jawas and you know, a short story about like droids. So far, it's going pretty chronologically in order, retelling yeah. the first Star Wars movie from all of these different minor characters' points of view. So I really like it. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's good. So from a certain point of view or Star Wars from a certain point of view, either one of those searches will get you there. Um, again, audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast With that, it's time for a weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. Um, we both had something because it just came out, which this is going to be old news by the time the episode hits, but that's okay. We told yes. you our October is a little out of time. Um, they just announced the title of the new Star Wars movie is Solo, yeah. a Star Wars story. And I, w- I was texting you about this today because yeah. 
it seems so obvious. Like, yeah, it's not that it's wrong. It's just like I expected more than that. I did too. Like I was almost expecting something like that that had to do with the Western aspect or like a uh, like like kind of him being an outlaw or a scoundrel or or something along those lines as opposed to solo. Yeah, and like you said, if the title is just solo, like is the plot suddenly extremely obvious? Is it him being a yeah. loner and then finding Chewie in the Kessel Mines and then like them becoming friends and learning the power of friendship? I hope that's not the story they're telling because it's I'm, so obvious. Like, I don't want to watch that. I'm so certain that's what it's going to be, though. Like, it, it's... It's so on the nose. The reason I'm thinking that is because of the trouble they have with the previous directors that it seems like that would be something they would fight against and something that Disney would want them to hold very close to. It's just it just seems so so and too obvious, but at the same time so and too they're not going to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope that we're wrong. I hope that I'm pleasantly surprised. Like, I'm not shutting yep. myself off from this movie. It's Star Wars. I'm going to watch it, I just, obviously. I just want to see Donald Glover, and I'm going to be okay. Okay. Like, um, I love him, so I'm good. You had a couple other things for your geekery, though. And then I have to unpack some thoughts about Shadow of War, so... Okay, you go Mine, first. I haven't been doing a whole lot this week. That's okay. Week. I I've, have a I've, lot I've, of thoughts about Shadow of War. So this is great. Um... I have been listening to the Turtles All the Way Down by John Green that I recommended a couple of weeks ago, and it is absolutely wonderful that it is definitely a YA novel with a teen protagonist. Don't get me wrong, but what I was talking about where it uh, where I'd read stuff that he actually was able to put into words what it's like to have anxiety and intrusive thoughts and OCD is absolutely spot on where I was listening to it and I realized that it, it talked at one point about having intrusive thoughts where that's where you get a single idea and you focus on that idea to the exclusion of everything else. And it's something that is completely unrelated that intrudes on your normal on your normal thought patterns and the it, conversations, everything. And you can't focus on anything but that. And uh it made me realize that while I was listening to this audiobook, I was doing that about something else. And uh, one of my doctors had said I might have minor OCD tendencies. So it, it clicked there. But it really just the way that they talk. And it's like you usually I'm reading a young adult novel and I look at the angst and the drama and these emotions. And I'm like, you know, man, I must have felt like that when I was a teenager because, you know, being a teenager is hard, and uh, but it's like, man, just just suck it up. It's going to be okay. And with this one, whenever it goes into all of that, because it's anxiety based, it's like, yeah, I felt like that the other day. That's that's exactly what it's like, and and it's really weird to to have it put down on paper in way in describing something that is almost inexplicable and putting it into words. It's super weird, uh, but this one isn't as flowery as other John Green books, so I'm really enjoying it because probably because it's in first person as well. The story itself. Eh, it's okay. It's fine. It's what you would expect, but the characterization is is done so well with the portrayal of somebody with uh, mental illness and dealing with it with something that is not uh, 
like the, the uh, it being a good thing that you know you could be a genius if you have this anxiety i mean all the great artists and it's like i'd rather my body and brain work the way they're supposed to and it's like it's it's just really really uh pertinent for me and i i can't recommend it enough you guys can go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast <laughs> and get it for free on audible like i did you can do that also yeah well i'm glad that it lived up to what you were expecting I went for a run listening to it today. I didn't even listen to music. I was listening to uh, this about anxiety while I go do my meditative running. So super good. Exposure therapy, right? Okay. Have you... Today I was reading. This one actually came out today. I've been playing it today. Um, Shin Megami Tensei Synchronicity Prologue. Have you... Did you hear about this at all? Is this the one that's like a couple of the basically like personas or whatever? And it's a platformer or something i vaguely it's, think i know what you're talking about well it's uh it's a game that that there's a new synchronicity there's Shin, new shin megami tensei game coming out and called synchronicity i believe and uh they made a joke the other day that there was a metroidvania style game that uh that yep, this is the one i was thinking exist. about and then all of a sudden they released it and you can download it for free for pc until like christmas eve i believe so but the thing is it's all in japanese and it's super fun and super weird just to be going through because i don't understand any japanese whatsoever i use google chrome to translate the page so that i could get to the download installed it and it's just super fun and silly and it just makes me so happy that they would release these kinds of uh, small games for fans as something like oh yeah we did have this we did make it here you go and it i love metroidvania games though so it it's something from i always try them when i get the opportunity and while it's not you know in the persona direct series or anything and i really have no idea what's going on it's super cool so uh if you're if you like that kind of thing y'all you can download it between now and uh, christmas 2017 I might try that out. It sounds weird and interesting and something it's, that I might enjoy. Yep. It's not a game that you'll probably spend a whole lot of time on. No, I wouldn't think so. Because it plays like a, like a Metroidvania game, but when you kill time doing something like that, it's very much worth it. Cool. Okay, so Shadow of War. I've right. been playing this a bunch for the last week, and I, I don't even quite know where to start. I think... I should say that, like, I feel like it's a messy game in terms of okay. the design. Like, it's trying to be a lot of things, and maybe it's trying to be too much. Like, uh, okay, there's there's some conflict in, like, the systems and the story and, like, how they interact. And I guess a good place to start is, like, the open world versus the main quest, because I feel like there are almost two different games there, especially for the first act. It gets better in the second act, which I think I'm right near the end of the second act um, as of right now. But like, I wasn't really drawn to the story side of it. I just wanted the systems to fully unlock so that I could play in like the open world right. that they had set up. But no, like all of the interesting powers and abilities and stuff are locked behind that first act of the story. You don't actually get to them until you get to certain points in the story. And even after uh. that first act, there are other abilities and stuff and like, you know, extra powers or like tweaks to your powers that you can't do until you finish certain quests, which doesn't feel great, especially no. because I played the full first game and I beat it, you know, like, yeah, it, it was a couple years ago at this point, but I still know the systems like I didn't need a full 
I'm talking like six hours here, like six to eight hours, and then probably more like six hours to get through the first act of it. And that was me casually messing around in the open world, but mostly focusing on the story. Not quite critical path, but, you know, close enough to it. Where it was a pseudo tutorial that entire time working you through these these different systems yes and and opening them up gradually yeah exactly yeah and so because of that i felt like okay i can see the interesting like systems over here working and i can't fully interact with them because i'm just like crippled until i get to a certain point in the story but even then the main story characters aren't that interesting like the orcs Mm. and the nemesis system those are a lot more compelling but i guess that's like a side thought my main problem with it is just that like the system is all about player choice, but the like story doesn't lend itself to that. Like I never feel like I have agency when I'm playing the story missions. They pull it away from me. They make me do a very specific thing, and it's not necessarily how I would approach it or what I would want to do or like I, I don't know, it, it feels like two different things side by side but not really interlinked in an interesting way, whereas when you are in the open world, there are so many options. There's so many ways to approach it. You know, there are these like dynamic things that get generated based on the orcs and how you interact with them and whether you defeat them or you don't defeat them. Yeah. And then you get to the story and it's just so scripted and so like you have to do it their way. Otherwise, you fail the mission. It just feels bad. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I hate when games do that, where if there is and I understand there having to be a solution to the problem. I totally get that. And I think I may be spoiled because of games like Breath of the Wild now, but when there are obvious other solutions that you can use to go through this and you try it and it doesn't work and it locks you out and it forces you to go through one that is honestly more obtuse, it it takes you out of the game and makes it more frustrating to play. Yeah, and so like... Act one felt really bad, but even into act two, I wasn't fully like able to play in the open world until probably 10 hours into this game. And so Ah. it just it felt like I was ready to take on the world and play around with those systems about an hour in. You know, it took me about an hour to get back up to speed on this game because it's been a couple years since I played the last one. But about an hour fairly complicated, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff. It would take a little bit of time. Yeah. If you've played other third person action games recently, especially if you've played the last one of these or if you've played like an Assassin's Creed or if you've played any of the recent Batman games, not the Telltale ones, but the action ones, you can figure this combat out pretty quick like probably in that hour maybe two hours so about an hour in i felt like i was ready to take on the world but instead it's locked behind another like 10 ish hours of gameplay or nine ish hours of gameplay at that point which was just frustrating and it's like there may just be too many systems here is one of the other things and i suspect that it's more so that they have like avenues to monetize this game than to actually make the game good because the first game was kind of messy with some of its like progression systems too and the nemesis system and i thought they would just iterate on it but instead of taking like a complex system and kind of like refining it they took a complex system and they tacked on more complex systems on top of it okay and it's like now you have like all of these different gear drops and it's like different levels of gear with different mm-hmm. like subquests on them and it can be like rare or it can be legendary or it can be you know story like there's from, stuff from like MMOs and like other yeah, genres exactly in, yeah 
Yeah. That's what it sounded like to me. The stuff that I've read about this so far, everything seemed like it was a single player MMO. That it it the loot drops, the loot boxes, the stuff that you could grind for, the way that you can get the uh the purchasable currency in game all felt like you were playing at the end game of an MMO, except you had to do every bit of it alone and grind it out solo. Yeah, and like I haven't actually spent money on it. I haven't felt like I needed to, but I mean, it just something feels off about it. Like it feels more grindy than it should for the type of game that it is. And it's not even that I mind grind because there are RPGs that have a ton of grind that I will gladly play. You know, like you can look at the hours I've poured into RPGs over the year. I don't mind grind when it's actually baked into the DNA of a game in a smart way. But this feels like extra systems for the sake of extra systems so that maybe you'll spend a couple bucks on a loot box or something. It just, it feels muddy. It feels messy. It feels a little dirty, even though I haven't actually needed to buy anything. I haven't spent any extra money and I suspect I don't actually need to, but I'm holding those two thoughts in my head at the same time. You know what I mean? It's probably because you haven't finished the game yet too. Like once you get all the way through it and you open up that last bit, that's the stuff that I've read about being super, super grindy, trying to reach everything to max. Yeah. And so I think I'm right near the end of act two. And from what I've heard, if you hit act four, it kind of opens up the open world in a different way that is even more grindy and that's where people really feel compelled to spend the money um there's like an ending if you get to that point but it's not the ending it's not the real ending unless you grind for like another 25 hours on the same like repetitive things over and over that's what i've heard that's what i've read i suspect if i got to that point i would just go watch a youtube video of the real ending and then say i beat the game you know that's that's essentially what i've done i did with kingdom hearts uh birth by sleep watch the last special ending because I, of the stuff that i would have to do it's like yeah, i could do that but that's not fun so i'm gonna go over here and go to youtube and watch that yeah and you know other things with the systems like there's a lot more characters on screen there's a lot bigger battles but in a way it almost feels like to the detriment of some of the mm. gameplay Like, let's do more because more is better. Whereas in the first game, I felt like a lot of the fights were, like, I don't know. They felt elegant in a way they don't feel here. So just like when I played, like, the Batman Arkham games, I could get these insane combos going once I understood the game systems in Uh the first game. You know, I could have, like, a 50, 60 hit combo going and, like, not get hit by anyone because I understand the systems. In this game, because there's, like, so many more characters on the screen and there's just a lot of orcs that they throw at you, I feel like I barely ever get above, like, a, I don't know, 15, 20 hit combo very often because suddenly there will just be an arrow that hits me from off screen because there's just so many guys around. Or, like, there's a bunch of people all attacking you at once, which, yes, it's more realistic, but that doesn't actually make for a better game at the end of the day yeah it's kind of like i read brandon sanderson said uh, about dialogue that dialogue is what you think about that writing dialogue is not about what people sound like it's about what you think people sound like and uh, that's kind of the way this sounds like to me with uh it's not like actually being in a fight it's what you think being in a big fight would be well, yeah, especially when you, you basically have superpowers in this world. Like, you should be able to dominate these fights, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, all that to, uh, like, aside, the Nemesis system is still core to this game. And it's still the coolest part about this game. And it's still just kind of amazing. Which, do you remember 
about that from the first one? I remember a bit of it, yeah. Okay, so I don't remember like a lot of details, but I remember the vague outline of of how it works. It's basically um, there's like a hierarchy of orcs, and they interact dynamically with or without you, and they will mm-hmm. level up. They will like challenge each other. They'll take each other out and gain levels, or um, you know, they can get promoted up to like war chiefs and like different levels. Right. They can become a commander for the fortress that you have to take over in one of the regions, stuff like that. But then you can also like go and basically you subjugate the orc, which is a whole different conversation that I don't think yeah. we're equipped to have here about like subjugating other people and how that can be a giant turnoff to this game in the first place. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a whole can of worms that deserves its own topic. Um, So I'm going to skip over it. Sorry. And, it's just like you do that you can add them to your army and then you can have them like go challenge other people or like you can have them infiltrate some of these higher up commanders and then you can do like ambush missions which are pretty cool Mm -hmm. stuff like that um but the most interesting part is that orcs will like interact with you and then come back so you'll think that you killed somebody and then the way you killed them like you'll see them later they'll just randomly show up and be like you thought you took me out i'm back and you know, if you killed them with like a headshot, maybe they have like a new metal plate in their right. head. Yeah. Or like if they take you out, they will level up and then they'll hold a grudge and they'll like taunt you the next time that you see them. And it'll be oh. something about like the way they killed you yeah. and like, hey, I'm the whoever slayer, you know, like, are you afraid yeah. of my arrow? So like it's it's better than that, but it's I jam- like it's dynamically generated but in a really really good way and i've seen uh that was some of the stuff that i had seen i I knew about the uh if you killed them this way they would come back and have the uh have the kind of of war scars or battle scars and stuff like that yeah and that like all of the interaction with the orcs and the orc armies that is still the most interesting part of this game and it's like I can't take away from that because it is it's really, really interesting. And like I said, those are more compelling than the main characters of the actual story quests because like they actually have an impact. And like I said, you can approach it however you want. And if you really did lose to an orc, it's your own fault. And like <laughs> it'll come back to haunt you in really interesting ways. That's really cool. That yeah. like that that is cool. It just sucks that you have to go through so much kind of drudgery to get to it and actually enjoy it. Right. And so overall with the game, I I think that in the busy release season we have in this year of really good games that we've had, this one might just kind of like be outshone by everything else around it. Um, They had originally planned to release this like six months ago. And I think if they did, it would have gotten a lot more attention. But, you know, I listen to a lot of gaming press and like I read a lot of gaming press. This just has less buzz than I thought it would. Uh A lot less than the first game. And I don't really know if they're doing enough in this game to have justified a full sequel that they've put here. I thought they would have iterated in different ways instead of kind of like, I, I don't know, it's it's more, but it's not that much more. <laughs> it's, it's kind of it a weird It feels almost like an expansion rather than a sequel. No, I mean, they did reinvent some of the systems, but it's almost like they didn't take it far enough or it's too close to the original. Like, if you haven't oh. played either game, you should just play this one. It's better. Like, there's no question but at the same time i kind of wish that there was more here than there actually is you know instead of just like more grinding like actually more differences than the first game but it's almost like i said there's almost too much to do in this open world but not enough variety to it because there's you know i was looking at all of the things left just on the map to do i'm like i don't really want to do all of this 
And sometimes I feel like that with open world games and other ones I don't, you know, it depends on how well the story is integrated with the open world is is integrated yep. with like the variety available. And yeah, there's a lot to do in this game, but it's not all that different from like region to region, from orc army to orc army. And when the story quests aren't that compelling in the end, it's kind of like, do I want to keep doing this? I, I think I'm nearing the end of my time with it. But I'm kind of fizzling out on it. I'm not, I mean, I guess the way to say it is there was no big, like, screw this, I'm done moment. There was nothing that made me go, like, nope, I'm done, put down the controller, never coming back to this this game. It's just, like, apathy toward the game settling in slowly, (laughs) which in a way is almost worse. Because if you're making a game, if you're making a piece of art, you want people to emotionally respond to it. One way or another, yes. right? Positive or negative, if you elicited some emotions, like, okay, you accomplished something, whether or not something, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, when my end result of this game, after probably putting in 20, 25 hours at this point, is kind of like this slow fizzle off and, like, a shrug and, like, eh, yeah, I guess I could, I could boot it up again, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Like, that fizzling out is kind of sad. It's almost worse. Yeah, it is. I've always said that the best movies are not the ones that I leave the theater thinking, like, oh, my God, that was great. It's the ones that make me leave going, huh, where that's the ones I keep thinking about. And that's kind of the way video games are, too, the ones where where if I just leave and it's like, eh, that's it with a shrug. It's like, uh, like this is really good. But then I'm just like, okay, I'm done with this part now. It's, I don't like it. Like yeah. those are not the games that kind of like Destiny did for me. We're like, this is really good, and then I'm just like, mm, okay, I'm good. Yeah. So, I I guess I had a lot to unpack about that game. So thanks for listening to me. Uh, the other thing that I just wanted to mention is like, I feel like the setting here might be dragging this game down. The fact that they are cramming it into Tolkien lore is probably to this game's, not the game's detriment, but like the systems in the game's detriment. Because if you took this Nemesis system and applied it somewhere else to another set of lore, it could be so interesting. Like, I can't believe, because it's Warner Brothers, right? Yeah. Like, I can't believe they haven't applied this to a Batman game. Like that that's, that's the most true. obvious one in my mind. Make a Batman game with a criminal organization that's, you know, set up the same way, has a hierarchy where people can advance and get knocked down, give people superpowers as they start to climb up that hierarchy and make a whole Batman game based on this nemesis system. Like you have me, right? You have like my yeah. day one money probably. Absolutely. Um, I think they would have my day one money on that. Whereas if you take this and you make another like whatever of war or shadow of whatever game, I, I think I'm done. I think I'm not going to pick it up. I think I'll rent it with Gamefly or something later. But right. after this one, I'm like, oh, okay. No, not not quite what I wanted. So yeah, there you go. Those are my thoughts. Shadow of War. Mm-hmm. I'm still playing it. I'm just slowly, slowly fizzling out and like losing all passion for it. So I'm not going to be playing yeah. it much longer. I'm either going to push through and beat it because like I said, I think I'm right at the end of Act 2. I think there's only a little bit more of Act 3 and then I'm like done outside of that grind that I'm going to skip. So yes. we'll see. I'll let you know. Um, I didn't want to end on like a down note of that. So I had one more really cool thing I did this week for Weekly Geekery. Um, I listened to Hardcore History Death Throes of the Republic which have mm. you ever listened to this one or have, you I've haven't listened not. to any hardcore history, right? Nope. Never listened to any of them. Nope. Nope. Okay. So this one is about like the decline of Rome and specifically about Caesar. It's kind of like right before and right after Caesar, but Caesar is kind of the crux of it. And along with Caesar is Cleopatra. And along with that is Rome and Egypt. 
And in listening to it, I realized that I was listening to a lot of the story that's probably going to be in Assassin's Creed Origins. And I just got pumped for the game. That's really true. It that yes. And I was actually thinking about Assassin's Creed Origin whenever you're talking about this where I'm gonna I'm going to uh hope that I don't fizzle out on it. Yeah, and that's one of those open worlds that I tend not to. Like I I think I've beaten every mainline Assassin's Creed game, but they appeal to me and a lot of it is the setting. The fact that they like drastically change the setting every single time makes and a this huge setting difference. Is gonna be so, and that actually with the Death Throes of the Republic, that sounds awesome because those are straight up my favorite periods of history to learn about and experiencing games and movies and that kind of thing. Yeah, so I just realized as I was listening to it, I hadn't planned on lining it up with Assassin's Creed, but I basically listened to the history before, during, and after this Assassin's Creed game that's about to come out that I'm already excited for. So that was really cool. So if you guys awesome. are listening for or looking for certain hardcore history episodes to start with, Death Roads of the Republic, that whole series, I think it's like six of them. Those are really, really good. I can highly recommend those. I've got to listen to some of those. I just haven't done any of it. Yeah, at some point. Okay, so that's about it for this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And we're on Slack too, so kill part of your workday at slack.geek2geekcast.com for an invite. And we're also part of a podcast network, so head on over to geek2geekcast.com and see if any of the rest of our shows tickle your fancy. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's, and I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Spooky Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek, too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week... Keep it geek.